Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, there, friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode 163 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Busy, busy podcast ahead for you today. I'm Michael McCall, I'm flying solo today. It's a very interview heavy podcast. We've been doing the rounds, chatting to a lot of people, and we want to bring you just a, a big bulk of those interviews in this episode of the podcast. We're going to be touching on the White Caps. MLS and USL level, and also the Canadian national team as they face a massive game against Honduras on Friday, and then hopefully a celebratory game against El Salvador here in Vancouver on Tuesday. But we're going to start with the Whitecaps. Tough time for the Whitecaps just now. Seven games of their regular season remaining. Sitting in ninth place in the West. Doesn't look good. But, despite their form where they're winless in seven games, only two wins now in the last 14 matches, worryingly blanked in five of the last six games, and I I think that's more key to to anything right now, is can they get any goal scoring going. But despite all that, there is actually still a lot of hope. They're only four points out of the playoff places. And the seven games remaining, as we said, The next two are against teams in the East. New York Red Bulls this coming Saturday, which Kyle Robinson said was the the most important game of their season so far, and it's hard to disagree with that. They have to get the three points from that game. Without any shadow of a doubt, has to be a must-win game. Then they travel to Columbus the next week, who are starting to hit form a little bit worryingly, but we seem to do not too bad out there. But for me, out of the last five games... Four of them are against the three teams that are directly above them and chasing down that sixth and final playoff spot in the West. Two games against Seattle, one against Portland, one against San Jose. They're going to really make or break the season. David Usted doesn't feel that we we need to win all seven of those matches, but for me, you probably don't. But as long as you can win those four against the team directly above you, that's key. And then hopefully the Red Bulls win as well. I I think we need five or six wins to to get into the playoffs. And you don't just want to to get into the playoffs. You actually want to do something when you get there. And it is all about hitting form at the last time. And frankly, if the Whitecaps get into the playoffs at this stage of the game, it means they've hit form. They're not going to do it otherwise. And then the confidence is going to be sky high and they could be a team to watch in the playoffs. You just have to look at Portland last season to see what they did. We're 50-50 
Actually, I'm probably less than 50% at the moment as to whether I think we're going to do it. But it's a realistic thing to have. And there's a lot of questions as to exactly what went wrong with the Whitecaps this year. Why haven't they been performing? What's been wrong with the designated players? Matias Laba and Pedro Morales have looked shadows of their former self. Octavio Rivero just wasn't cutting it this year. He's been punted. No replacement has come in. We've got other guys that haven't stepped up to the plate. Individual defensive mistakes galore. Doesn't matter who seems to be playing at the back, someone seems to make an error. Even the reliable David Oosted's been making a ton of mistakes. Letting goals in, carrying the ball over the line, letting goals under his body. Kendall Waston was a walking card machine at one point and was just having a horrible time. But he seems to have turned it around. David Edgar as well, after a bit of a tough start, seems to have come good in the in the last couple of weeks. And hopefully the team is just kind of finding their shape and just doing something at the right time. Maybe that's more wishful thinking, I don't know. But with everything that's happening, I, I had a chance to speak to Whitecaps president Bobby Leonard Doozy last week. Just about a number of those issues. Also touched on things to do with youth development and a lot more beside. Now you might have read some of the chat that I had with a piece that I did on AFTN on the youth development side and a piece that I did on MLS about the future direction of the club and Robbo's future as well. But there was a lot, lot more than that we talked about than we could cover in those two interviews. So I want to bring you the full interview just now. It was meant to be a quick five-minute chat. It actually ended up as a 40-minute chat. So I'm going to bring you a bulk of it now. It's about 20, 25 minutes. A lot of honesty from Bobby. It's going to be interesting to see what the fans think as to whether they, they feel he, he did address the things. We covered a lot of things as well, like fans wanting Robbo out, fans wanting Bobby out himself. So, without me waffling on anymore, let's just hear from the man himself, Whitecaps president, Bobby Leonard Doozy. It's the first thing to ask, but we'll start on some, some positive news. Last night, it, w- it was a great performance from the team. They've put themselves in a, a great shape now for hopefully getting into the knockout stages. It's going to be hard to imagine that they won't now. But I guess the I asked Robbo this last night, but the question now is, like, where was that team for most of the season? the um, the aired tackle at the end of the um, 
the, the game, towards the end of the game, where I think he got called for offside. Most people, including me, thought it was a he got called for a foul, which didn't appear to be. It was just a real good hard tackle. But you, know, you see how uh, people react to that. You could hear the tackle right around the stadium, and it was yeah. a fair tackle. And and so that's the kind of thing that I think we need to do on a regular basis. And it, it's always the very least you can do uh, when uh, you're playing again. You can you can control the amount of uh, urgency and intensity that you have. Uh, sometimes you can't control the way you play because it could be a day that um, your touch isn't as good as it should be and it reflects in the way that you play. But I think what last night illustrated is what, what we need more of, which is um, that willingness to fight and battle for every ball. And that's something that we owe to our supporters. Uh, you know, and there can be uh, concerns about lost results but there should never be concerns about the the way you approach a game and and uh, the amount of effort that you put into it which should always be 100 percent. yeah that, that's true and i mean looking at just what what has happened this year and where the team's fallen down i know it's a lot of individual errors and it doesn't seem to matter who comes in players are still making the, these errors in league play anyway from, from what you've watched and from what you've seen is it hard to put your finger on just what has gone wrong so far? Well, it isn't because you've just expressed it. When you consider uh, even the goal in Kansas City, we don't have a great first half, um, but when it got to about 30 minutes into the game, I thought it had settled down and we were starting to get some possession and what we needed at that point to do was get to the, the changing room level and they get a corner, you know, guy unmarked at the back post, plays it back into the middle, and guy unmarked standing in front of David redirects it in. That's that's a bad goal to give up. <laughs> it's a soft yeah. goal. And so to your point, you, know, you can go back um, over the season and you can – and there's, there's, there's two games that we played in a row that kind of – and I know that Jordan Harvey – was quoted after the, the, the TFC game in saying that that was a microcosm of our season, that that performance and that result. And I thought we played very well that night. We were very workmanlike, got ourselves a goal up. We're well positioned to, to win another uh, Voyager's Cup. And then we, we let down at the most pivotal time. Three days later, or four days later, we play Colorado and Perhaps are rather fortunate to be ahead in that game, but nevertheless, we're down to the the, the final seconds. And we concede another goal. Uh, someone had said to me that um, there was one fan in particular because our our um, our uh, staff are in their their white caps gear, so they're easily identifiable. And someone had said to me that one of the fans coming out, you know, older gentleman, was yelling at one of the guys in, in the suits, in the white cap suits, saying, well, how can you do that? Two games in a row, we, we're just we're just gutted, you know, giving up goals late in matches. And when I heard the story, I said, I feel the same way. Like, I, I can understand why you know, people are, are reacting like that because it's not the kind of thing that you, you, you should be uh, have happening, especially when it was two games in a row. So I think it's just, it's just 
shutting off at, at, at pivotal times. And, and it's, it really is more about the amount of goals that we've given up and how we've given them up that I think really differentiates us between um, this season and, and last season. But when you look at the, the core of the team, like Kendall and Usted and Laba, they were all re-signed and it was really positive. It's like everyone was like, great, they, they've re-signed. But I mean, you've been in football long enough that do, do people get a bit complacent then when they get an extension and think, okay, I've I've worked hard, I've got my extension. And are they? it's not that they're not trying as hard because no one's not trying to, to do well. But when it's, when it's your key guys that's letting you down, is there maybe an element of complacency that's slipped in? Well, obviously what you're looking for from your, um, your core players is for consistent performances. And you know, I, I'm not really wanting to... I mean, everybody can see what's going on. And, and I don't necessarily yeah. want to be highlighting any, any uh, kind of subpar differences between this year and last year when you talk about those specific players and, and I think more than than that it's it's really it's really our squad that just hasn't hasn't been consistent we just haven't had a level of consistency that has enabled us at pivotal times to actually provide some separation from the pack and, and give ourselves a little bit of breathing room if in fact we, we go through a two or three game losing streak and in not doing so, we find ourselves in the situation we're in, which is every game from well, every game from the eleventh game uh, or twelfth game. Now that we've it's, it's four in a row that we've we've lost. You know, they've all been cup finals, and and so we've lost four cup finals up to now. We've got we've got, and it, it doesn't even amount to we've got eight to go. We've got the next game because we need to try and get points in the next game to keep our playoff aspirations uh, alive. I mean, that that's the thing. Even though it's a bad run of form, you're still really close. You're only two points off, off that last playoff spot, but obviously games are running out. Mm-hmm. The last two years, Robbo's had improvement upon improvement on each season. Do you feel that's maybe raised the fan expectations that they're expecting that every year and they're expecting constant improvements? And... There's some fans that they're calling for, like Robbo, to go. Do you not see it? Maybe that there's some short memories out there. The thing I don't want to be doing uh, is is being critical of our fans. I I, yeah. I can though say that since Carl has taken over and 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 when he took over, uh, the, the squad that we have now doesn't resemble the squad that he took over. And there's been a, a lot of change that's taken place and. The players that are that that are being criticized now as, as not being good enough were good enough last year. And why why there's been subpar performances, who knows? But uh, what also happens in, in the sport is Carl was a is a was a first year coach and uh, was learning on the job and but, but was also um, continuing to evolve our our club. And uh, when I look back over our history first year absolute you know gong show and we had uh, we were an expansion club and and uh, at the end of it all we we all uh, learned a lot more from a very very difficult season and the next season we make the playoffs uh, the season after that 
uh, we get more points, but we don't make the playoffs because the, the bar was higher. And then, of course, the we have the, the last uh, two seasons. So, to me, I, I actually see, and perhaps in some fans' minds, it's, it's not uh, quick enough growth, but I, there's been an evolution that's taken place. And um, as a result of that evolution, expectations have risen. And so when you when expectations are higher and you don't uh, you don't achieve those expectations and you fall short, people get emotional, people get mad. And that's what uh, that that's the business that we're in. And what we've got to try to do is is, is I call it noise is, is just, you know, and again, I'll go back to our fans. I, I, I said this prior to the Kansas City game, or prior to the, the San Jose game, I thought that the fans at the beginning of that game, that was loud, it was boisterous, and they they were being fans. They were trying to lift the team up, um, in spite of the fact that we'd been, we'd had a difficult uh, run in, in the, the games that we played, the three games that we played previous to that, or two games, sorry, um, three including the Houston match, and so I was actually grateful that, that the fans weren't turning on the team at that point. And, uh, and I thought that they kept that up even when we were down and, and then towards the end of the match, obviously there's, there's even more disappointment. But I, I appreciate that, and I know our players appreciate that. And the only way that uh, we can respond in this, this stretch run that we have and, and uh, provide some cause for optimism is to give 100% effort regardless of you know, how the, the team plays and I, I think that that's that for me is, is baseline in terms of, of the support we have so back to Carl it's been for the most part uh, uh, an upward trend and he's disappointed we're disappointed but by no means are we going to do anything rash we have full faith in him and his staff and it's uh, this year, and I always believe that you find out the most about people in times of adverse, adversity, and we're going through adversity right now. And uh, But ideally, it's viewed as a, a learning experience, and we take the lessons that we've, uh, we've learned in adversity, and we, we, we from now, we, we look at each game that's left, and we, we try to... Um, to secure a playoff spot is, is and, and to your point, we're two points out. So if we happen to get on a run, that would be great. Current form to date suggests that's probably not going to happen. But sometimes it's it's a little spark that gets you going, and you can ride that momentum. So for this season, we all work our asses off, and and then as soon as the season finishes, uh, depending on what we've achieved, then we start looking towards next season, and ideally we take again the lessons learned from this season and uh, and start preparing for for 2017 talking about the noise from the fans and and stuff there's more disgruntlement aimed at the front office like some folk with yourself as well they're they're looking for changes there They, they feel that the club is cheap because they see these other teams going and spending all this money on like Javinko's and David Villas and like seven, eight million dollar players, which I know you guys have said you won't do. It was interesting listening to you in sports market because you compared that folk mentioned Drogba as well and like price wise he's like two million or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You got a little bit of heat as well because at the halftime of the last game you'd mentioned it doesn't need to be a name, it just needs to be a difference maker, which which I agree with. It's like, just because someone's a big name, and you saw it with Frank Lampard, he came here, and he's maybe coming good now, but he had a horrible start. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I stand by that, I mean, and I didn't know that I got heat for it, but in the end, it's irrelevant. If a player turns up, uh, regardless of what you pay for him, and he is a difference maker, which is what you need your your DPS to be. Then it's a good signing. So I would I would I would stand by that particular statement, and and, and also stand by the, uh, the the money that we invest in player development. I think what people are looking to see on the player development side is is instant uh, results, and and we've been at it, you know, since. Pre-MLS, but what we've what we've done as a club on on the development side is we there's there's no model in North America for how to develop players because you have the scholarship opportunities and and MLS is relatively young. So when we came into the league, I think that was something that actually differentiated us from other clubs because we would ask questions about development and you know how could we assure that we were going to keep our players if, in fact, we invested the time into them. And as a result of that, there's way more uh, talk about uh, developing players, which is absolutely important, in my opinion, for every club in MLS, because if you can actually develop those players that that are core players and some of them are, are, are star players, uh, then you, you also benefit your national team programs as well. And, and I had someone say to me, well, they don't care. They just want to see us win. They don't really care if we're developing players or not. And I, you know, that, that's something that um, I don't necessarily agree with. I, I do believe that we do need to win, and we can't not win at the expense of development. But this year I think we've just are, are been faced with a situation that um, we've, gone, we've, we've regressed from where we were the last two years, and but it's not as a result of investing in, in player development. So you know, we're going to continue down that path, and I think that was the thrust of my comment to, on the Manic show was, look, we're not going to alter that. Uh, we think that, that if we continue to do it properly, that that, uh, that is something that will we'll make up the, the bottom end of our roster. Uh, and clearly you need to, to um, supplement or complement that with, with the... Um, the DP difference makers, and then the quality players that fit in between the the salaried uh, players and the um, and the DPs, and and the salaried players for that matter. I don't know if I should differentiate because you can spend up to four hundred thousand on on a player that's in your cap. So those are the guys that uh, you need to, to come through, and uh, so we'll we'll continue to go down that um, that road, and and again. That's great. And the very last thing was just basically something that you touched on there. Like it, We're six seasons into MLS, and I, I know the residency's been going since 2008, but there, there's still not a regular first-team player that's that's come through from the programme. What do you put that down to? It, it must disapp- With the money that's been put in, it must be a disappointment that there hasn't been a, a Canadian guy, a local guy, or wherever from Canada that, that's made significant leaps that he's able to come in and play week after week in the first team? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think some of it has to do with 
with how we're structured. And I think that we've gone through that learning curve of not having a, um, a model to follow in North America. And, and now we've established ourselves as, uh, as with the U14s, pre-residency, U14s, U16s, U18s. And I'm a, I'm a big believer when it comes to youth that kids need to pay their dues and yeah. understand that there is a hierarchy there and that they need to earn the respect of the, uh, the, the, the players that they play with. And I think that we've, we've more recently done a better job of making sure that players understand exactly where they are in the hierarchy. Next year, we'll provide a, a, an even better opportunity to do that because residency will be out at UBC. Yeah. You'll have your changing rooms and the old Arsenal model when, when I went and visited their training ground. What struck me outside of the fact that you know, it's beautiful, it's state-of-the-art, you know, these lush green grass pitches, the thing that, that, was, that stuck home for me the most was the explanation of the changing rooms and how the youngest players are the farthest away from the first team changing rooms. And in between there, you have your age-specific groups, and you don't go into the next changing room uninvited. You go into that changing room when you're being told, look, you know what, you've done well, and now you're going to get to the next level. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it was, and so we actually, out at, um, out at UBC, that's how we've structured the, the building, so that, that it's, a, it's a very simple logic, but I actually think that when you ask me why, I think that maybe players feel a little too entitled, and they've come from their clubs where they're the big fish, and uh, just assume that it'll be the same, and it's not. So um, a player can have the ability, but what that player needs is to also have the mental makeup to understand, I haven't done anything yet, and I need to prove myself. So we've addressed those um, those those um those areas, and, and ideally we'll be a, do a better job moving forward. But even now, you've got Sam Atacubi, you know, getting his uh, first-team debut there, yeah. granted in cup matches, and um, ideally Cairns will have an opportunity to, to do likewise in, um, in Germany. Yeah. But, you know, there's a player, a current player that we have that is also a good example of um, maybe realizing that they need a little bit more mental toughness. And it's Eric Hurtado. When Eric went to, uh, to uh, Norway last year, and, and in his eyes it was, okay, this is it. I'll go there and I'll do well, and, and, be, and, and then the rest is, uh, is going to all be good. And he's telling this story, not me. I mean, he's been pretty public about it. Yeah. He went and things didn't go as well as, as he had anticipated. And he has come back uh, with a, a renewed uh, enthusiasm, and we've seen glimpses of it. We saw it last night. His hold-up play is great. He'd be the first to tell you he needs to convert more of the chances that he gets. But he's a player that is a good example of of actually realizing himself that, oh, boy, you know, I, I went away, didn't go well, I've come back. I need to work my ass off. I need to earn uh, a place in this team. And... If you can have that from a young age, then you've got a real good chance of, uh, if, if the ability matches up, you've got a real good chance of, of 
achieving your dream of being a professional soccer player and ideally a very good one. So a long-winded answer to your question, but really, in summary, we were still finding our way through the development process. We had Thomas in to begin with. That was one team. And so... And I still think, you know, even like a Russell Tiber last night, the ball through for the goal was was as good a ball as you'll see anywhere and, and weighted properly and in behind the defense. And so I think he's, he's, there's still uh, an opportunity for him to entrench himself in the team. And, and then you get Brett Lee-like playing. And yeah, he's great. He was fantastic and wonderful attitude. And, and he, though, is a good, good example of being a good player, but also understanding the hierarchy. Like, oh, totally, yeah. He'll be the first to tell you, I'm in, but I haven't done anything yet. So Bobby Leonarduzzi there talking to me last week after the KC Champions League game and before the LA game at the weekend. Be interested to know your thoughts about that. We've had a lot of comments made on our AFTN article and on the MLS piece I wrote with some of the stuff from that chat. There's a lot more covered though in the audio that you've just heard than what we put in those two pieces. I have to say I agree fundamentally with a lot of what Bobby had to say there. There is an element that some players have maybe been brought up to the MLS roster too soon. It's gone to their head a little bit. It's given them false expectations or false false belief in just how good their talent is right now. And that brings with it a sense of entitlement, which is never good for a young player to have in a club. Now, some people might listen to Bobby's comments about wanting the hierarchy and the, the kind of the old-fashioned system of players paying their dues. And does that mean young players going back to shining the boots of, of the older senior guys? Some folk may say that's dated, out of touch, but I say go for it because that is something which does teach respect in a club. And I'm not saying that all the young players coming through have this kind of attitude because far from it. If you speak to a number of the USL guys just now, I mean, you heard our interview in the last podcast with Brett Levis and with Spencer Ritchie. Two very humble guys, down to earth. They know the hard work ahead of them. Kyle Gregg's another one in the USL team that knows the hard work that's ahead of him. They get MLS contracts, which Brett now does. They know it's just the start of something. And that's what you want. Also, the residency guys as well. They're more grounded. They're more down to earth. Alfonso Davies is another fantastic example of that. On Tuesday, Alfonso was at Whitecaps' first team training at Swan Guard in the morning. Then the afternoon, he asked Robbo if he could go and train with the residency. They were having an under-18 intra-squad game. He wanted to be part of that. He wanted to train with the guys, meet up with his friends, play in the game a little bit. He played half an hour. He asked to do that. He asked to get the extra training. And then when he was taken off, he was bringing the guys water. He was chasing balls down, going to get some bibs. Fantastic attitude from the guy, very grounded, very down to earth and it helps that the Whitecaps are protecting him and not letting all the media do stuff with him. As Carol says, let him be a 15 year old and that's what he's currently doing. 
But of course, the big elephant in the room, which we did discuss there, was why have no white caps, homegrown guys become first team regulars? And Bobby talked about it, but I don't think we really got a definitive answer there. And it is disappointing that none have broken through. And for me, th- there's a lot of things you can point at. It was their development not good enough? Were they given the right opportunities? Did their attitude get in the way? But ultimately, I don't think a lot of the guys have been good enough and they they need to hone those skills in in the USL team to get themselves ready for MLS, to get themselves ready for first team minutes. It's not for the lack of opportunities afforded to them because Carl is really good at giving all his players a chance, whether it be in MLS minutes, which I know haven't come as much as some of the guys have wanted. But in CCL and Canadian Championship play, he has played those guys. And a lot of the time they've played like they've never seen each other before and there's just been no team chemistry there. Doesn't help making mass changes. We've covered that many times before. But the guys have to seize their opportunity and that is what the USL team is for. And a guy that also firmly believes in that is Pamadou Ka. And Pa has just made the transition to USL coach. Player coaching role leaving the first team side to come and help the the USL guys, dip his toes in the water and learn to become a coach. It's his long-term goal when he finishes playing. It's something he loves. It's something he's wanted to do for a while. And now he's getting the chance to do it with WFC2. Made his debut as player coach on Saturday. Started and played the vast majority of the game in the 0-0 draw in Sacramento. And you saw the influence that he had on the players in that match. He was speaking throughout. He was... Helping Sam DeWitt, his centre-back partner, Will Seymour, who's playing the DM role in front of him. And fingers crossed that Will, who picked up an injury in that game, gets himself healthy and it's not as bad as it looked, but we kind of fear the worst. But Will Seymour's been a great, understated player this year and we hope he comes back strong. But Pamaduka is great for the USL team. He's also been spending a lot of time with the academy. And it's those pros, those seasoned pros, 19, 20 years experience, like him, Robert Enshaw, coming into these younger guys, it's going to help prepare them better for moving up to the first team and making the transition and coming through the ranks. And hopefully, we might not have seen it in the first six years, and it does feel like it's been a complete waste of money when you can't produce a first team player from the residency ranks. But I think the next couple of years, we are going to see these guys coming through. And Brett Levis is possibly going to be the first guy that does that. Alfonso Davies as well. Still have very high hopes for Marco Bustos and Ben McHenry doing it. And the help that they'll get from Alan Koch, from Pamadou Carr, Robert Earnshaw and the residency, getting these guys ready is going to be massive. I had a chance to catch up with Pat Whitecaps training on Tuesday where he was helping out the team because they're obviously short in numbers this week. And we sat down and we, we had a good chat about him making that transition to the coaching ranks what he's hoping for, why he's done it now, and just a lot more beside. So let's hear now from everyone's favourite Gambian, maybe outside of Kikuta Mani, maybe including Kikuta Mani, who can say? Here's Pamadou Ka. So I want to talk to you about your your new role. So you, obviously you're not retired. You're player coach. Mm. You've had your your first official game now as, as player coach yeah. uh, at Sacramento. Mm-hmm. What was behind your decision at this stage in your life now to, to make this move? Well, f- f- first of all, um, 
I've always wanted to be in coaching and uh, Robo saw, uh, saw that in me and uh, he believed in me and uh, gave me the possibility to be it within this organization and for me that was uh, that have always been one of my goals and to be able to get that chance in almost ending of my career it's it's a thing that I will take with uh, both of my hands and uh, make sure that I succeed and um, have the same work ethic and same determination that I have, that I have uh, playing. So for me, the, it's a it's a dream come true. I mean, we've seen it from you the time that you've been here, but also at your other clubs as well. You're very vocal on the pitch. You do a lot of talking at training. You're always talking to the players, mm. and we saw it in the game against Sacramento. There, there was a moment that was caught on camera that you might not know that you put your arm around Will Seymour and mm. you're talking to him and you're just pointing out what he should have done. Mm. You seem to get so much enjoyment about sharing that knowledge with the young guys. No, for me it's important because um, a game of football have uh, given me a lot, like every. Beside the value that my parents have taught me as a as a young kid, and uh, and the value that comes along with football, and uh, the experience that I had for the past uh, 20 years, it's just it's just unbelievable. And I think it's it's within my rights also, you know, to share those values to the other players and help them because as well as me, I've been in their position, so I know sometimes what they're going through in their minds. So for me, it's to offer that extended help and uh, push them and drive them to be the best player they can be within uh, within a career because that career can be short, can be long. So for me, it's I've always been like that because um, it's, I don't know, it's always been my nature. So, so I've always enjoyed it and for me it's just, I've always been a guy who takes responsibility whether it's good or bad. It's, how much coaching, like official coaching, have you done? Have you taken your courses yet? Have you have you started anything, yeah. or are you just at the very start of doing? No, all this? I'm um, I'm I am now uh, I'm now trying to get the B, B okay. license. So, you know, being uh, in this game for 19 years, you know, you pick along uh, a lot of things and uh, be able to also work with uh, Alan Koch. Is you know, he allow me also to take part of the session, which is also good for my development. So. I'm just happy with that. When, when Robo came here and when he, he got the job, he talked mm. about how he had, in his mind, he had a seven-year coaching mm. plan. Mm. He wanted to be like an assistant and then mm. get into management, but things for him came along really quick. Mm. Have you kind of set in your mind like how you see this working out? Have you set yourself like five years of just learning the ropes, ten years of learning the ropes before taking on a... For, for me, I think it's very important because... Them, just to jump in a manager job as as soon as available can be can be your death, but can be a good thing as well. So it all depends on personality, and depends on uh, what kind of person you are. And uh, I am a guy who loves a challenge. And uh, of course, in my mind, I'm just fresh off uh, still playing. So what would be the best thing is like to be assistant on the Robo or on the Alan Koch for me. You know, learn as much as I can gather. You know, you know the, of the knowledge and. My dream is to be the first uh, Gambian-born uh, coach to be able to be coaching uh, outside outside Gambia. So that would mean a lot to me. So right now I'm just in my early learning stages, you know, trying to get in, uh, as much as information I can get. And from what you've seen of the USL team so far, there's a lot of like good, talented prospects mm-hmm. there. At centre back, like Sam Dewitt, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. 
although he started the season well and then he's kind of he's had a few lapses but from mm. what you've, you've seen of the overall team especially on the defensive side do, do you like what you see from these guys? Well, I like what I see because uh, like you mentioned you have uh, guys like uh, Caden Chong Brett Levi uh, Sam right now and you have uh, people like uh, uh, Matthew Baldissimo and uh, all these young kids that the club have fostered you see that it's about for them you know it's about getting the experience playing at a higher level because a lot of them now think ah they played a couple of games that they, they can be ready to play at the first team level they're not so for them I think the good thing is every day that you get the chance to play in the USL develop yourself every day get better learn because um, you only stop learning with football when, when you retire but while you're in the game you, you still have to learn and uh, and prepare yourself the best way and develop yourself because they're going to be ups and downs you know but for them I think consistency is the most important thing that they need to put in their game and you, you played obviously in Sacramento on Saturday mm-hmm. important game for, for the team mm-hmm. crazy atmosphere that, that they have down there how did you find that level compared to what, what you've been doing at MLS well like I say of course it's a it's two levels below MLS and uh, you know with all due respect you know the players at MLS are higher level but you got some quality players there I believe because football is the same everywhere he's played they have this Captain Barrera was a, for me was a very, was a good player and uh, but I think uh, if you look at the result and uh, how many teams go there and don't get point and we got there and uh, got draw but I do believe that uh, we even had the chance to win the game if you were a little more detailed at the at the end so for me it's it's been a it's been a pleasure you know getting to know yourself but for those kids I think it's a very good league for them to develop especially the young players it's a very good league to get games play learn to make mistakes you know develop your game and that's only how you can develop because some of them if they believe that they're ready to play MLS they might get maybe a game and then six seven games no nothing and then but to get games in the ULS at this stage for any young kid they should take it your player coach just now mm. how long do you see you're you still having in your legs wise do, can you go another season or two or are you wanting to more concentrate maybe at the end of this year just on on the coaching side no right now you see uh, you know I'm, I never rule anything but listen I've enjoyed uh, 20 years of professional football so for me it's 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 always good to you know, you don't want to be ending your career on uh, on a bad note. But right now, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying helping the younger kids in the club, within the academy as well. You know, helping them from the under-14s till the 18s and also USL, just to pass on my knowledge. And for me, that's uh, that's that's it now. Taking these first six months, get to know get to know how the club work. The clubs get to know how I work, and um, and from there we see. We see, we see, we see what's going to happen. But um, right now, for me, it's a day at a time. You know, right now, I'm done with the first team training. I'm going to the uh, aid rings. You know, with the younger guys. So for me, at this point, and I love and I enjoy it, and I'm happy every. I've been happy. You know, so for me, it's like I say, it's a dream come true to be able to get this possibility. And so now it's up to me to prove to the club as well as the club prove to me that they see something in me. That I do believe that I have, which Robo have seen in me, which Alan Koch have seen in me, and all the other coaches. So it's just for me to keep uh, continue developing. 
That's great, that's an excellent way to end it. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Hope everything goes well. That's great, thanks so much, Pa. You're welcome, boss. So new Whitecaps 2 player coach, Pamadou Kader. It's great to have Pa involved with the, the USL guys and the residency guys. Very vocal. I was at residency training on, on Tuesday and, and Pa was like refereeing the under-16 intra-squad game. If you head along to one of the Whitecaps 2 games, you're definitely going to hear him whether he's on the pitch or on the bench. And just having that experience in the camp, having that kind of vocal presence... The, the desire and the enjoyment to share the knowledge that he's gained in the sport over the last 20 years can only benefit both teams greatly. So from a player that's left the Whitecaps first team mix to a player that's still very much in it. Striker Eric Hurtado. Now Eric got the start against LA on Saturday, coming on the back of a, a great performance against KC in the CCL on the Tuesday beforehand. Justified reward, because that's what you want to do. You want to reward the players that have kind of shown that, that they deserve a chance. And he definitely did that against KC. So did Christian Teixeira, though, who got the two goals but did not get the reward and was left on the bench, which was rather strange, especially considering Hurtado has looked at his best playing alongside Teixeira. Maybe we'll see those pairing against New York on Saturday. We'll just have to wait and see. But it's been a tough year for Eric. Last August, he flew out to Norway to go on loan, came back in the close season, joined Whitecaps pre-season, and a lot of people were surprised that he forced himself back into the first-team reckoning, but he has worked hard. Cal Robinson definitely seems to see something in him, and he's persevered with him. We do feel that he just needs to, to get a break. He just can't catch one this year, but he needs to start putting the goals away just to show that that season where he got those five goals was not a fluke. Can he do it? We are rooting for him, but we just we still have our doubts. But we caught up with Eric at Whitecaps training this week, just to talk about that last year, what he's learned from it, coming back to Vancouver, forcing himself back into the first team reckoning, and just how he manages to keep focus when he's just catching that, that bad luck that he's had just now. So let's hear now from Whitecaps striker Eric Hurtado. So basically a year's passed since you, you flew out and you've come back and you've talked about it yourself, you've had a different attitude since you've come back. How do you see yourself having grown in, in that last year? Uh, just mentally grown. Um, I think as a player you have to be able to adapt to situations and that defines you. Um, you're going to be put in different situations and it's how you handle them. For a, a, a young guy that's come out of college and... You, You've only known really the domestic game. Like lots of guys here, they want to go and play in Europe. When you go over and you see that, is it kind of a case that the grass maybe isn't always greener over there and it, it opens your eyes a little bit as to what, what you have here? Yeah, well, every player is different. Um, and so when you go into a different locker room, a different team, people are going to react differently. And it just depends on the player, you know. And sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side, uh, but sometimes it's a good fit. You gave a really honest kind of scrum a couple of weeks back where you were talking about you felt that you maybe didn't have the maturity but you've come back and, and, and you've got that maturity. A lot of players wouldn't 
come out and just talk so openly about that? Did, did you feel it was important for you to kind of get that across? Well, I just don't really have anything to hide. Um, I feel like I'm an honest, honest person, genuine person. So uh, when you ask me something, I'm going to tell you straight up. So looking at like, like your season that you've had here, like Carol's given you a lot of opportunities. When you came back, did you think you were going to get as many opportunities or were you a bit concerned that you might have fallen down the pecking order? Um, I didn't really think about that. Um, it's, it doesn't always go if you, des- if you deserve it, you're going to get a chance. Um, you're going to get a chance when you get your chance and you just got to be ready for that. So I just wanted to prepare myself as best possible for when I got my chance so then I could perform. It's, it's been a mixed year for you, but when, when you got that goal in the Champions League game last week, was it? It seems so long ago now, but like when you got that goal against KC... It just seemed to mean so much to you, just the relief, you just kind of sank to your knees. Was it like a weight off your back to, to get that goal night? Yeah, in some way, you know, but I love scoring goals. That's 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 nice to score a goal, um, and it felt good to do that. It, it's also been a season, it's like you don't seem to be able to catch any breaks. You've had a, a good goal ruled off for handball, where it clearly wasn't handball. There was a really tight offside one that you put away. Weekend in LA, ball crashed off your bar. How do you not let that get to you? Mm. Is, is it tough? I, uh, I just I just try and move on, you know, and just pre- prepare myself for the next chance. Get that out of my mind and just know that it's going to come again. And you've, the two CCL games, you've you linked up so well with Teixeira. And like the chemistry that you seem to have out there... Talk a little bit about that. Obviously, it's led to this whole church of red or whatever it was. It's like, how have, how have you found like playing with him? You seem to really enjoy what what he does to you. Yeah, yeah, I like playing with Christian. I like playing with a bunch of guys on the team. Um, well, we're friends in the locker room. We're always joking around, so it makes it easier on the field. Uh, when we're on the same team, we try and link up with each other. We know what each other are good at, so um, it helps. And when, last year you didn't really play a lot of USL minutes, but you started this season in the USL team, and again, like you and Bustos had a really good understanding there, and you did so well there. Just how how have you found like the minutes that you had there? What it's done to help develop your game? Uh, it's just game experience, um, making runs off the ball, uh, defenders on your back, and how much space you're going to have. You don't really get that in training, um, so yeah, just experience really has helped. The team this season, it's been mixed. The goals were coming, they've dried up. How have you seen the season play out so far? Um, you know, sometimes it hasn't gone our way. We're not really getting a break. But it's, it's okay, that's how the game is. And this is what you want. You want to be able to grind out the last seven games of the season and get results because that really shows the character of a team and what kind of team you are. And honestly, I'm really excited to see, uh, see our team step up to the task. And just last thing, seven games left lot of the games against the teams that's round about you, every weekend it seems to be mixed results, weird results, it's like teams you think are going to get the points don't and I guess it's just MLS but how do you see these seven games playing out, especially these four crunch games against like Seattle, Portland San Jose? Uh, right now we're focused on New York, uh, I'm focused on New York got to get a result against New York and then we can move on after that That's great, thanks so much, yeah, thanks. good luck Cheers Eric Thank you Eric Hurtado there. Now someone said to me this week that they thought I'd maybe been a little bit hard on Eric this season with my criticism and just the fact that I I don't feel that he is an MLS starter. Now 
looking at the stats, he started six games this year, played in 17. He's had 17 shots in those 17 appearances, so averaging one a game. But only five of those shots are on target. And for a club that has goal-scoring woes like the Whitecaps do just now, you need better than that. It's like, he's a great guy, he's a great kid, you kind of root for him and you want him to do well. And I'd love nothing more for him to find his form and to find his feet and for the breaks to go his way. He has been hell of an unlucky. As we mentioned in the interview there, put the ball in the back of the net and he was rolled off for handball where it clearly wasn't. Had the ball in the net for a very tight offside decision. Hit the bar in the game against LA at the weekend where, I mean, even Robbo said at a training on Tuesday that there was chances in that LA game where it was easier to miss than score and you immediately think of Eric's chance that, that crashed off the bar. Eric Cotero is the guy that Carl Robinson has to to try and get something going in the offence because Masato Kudo's not cutting it this year. He had a couple of flashes, but as I'm, this jury's still out on him. I'm sorry, but I know he had the injury, but there's a a lot of questions still about Kudo. He is better at home than he is on the road, and that, I guess, is going to be true for a number of players in their first year in MLS. Hurtado is in his fourth season now in MLS, and already this is his season with the second highest number of appearances, coming on the back of the 30 that he made in 2014. He did have five goals and three assists, though, during that season. And it was pointed out to me that if MLS was better at recording second assists, which I think are farcical anyway, but if they were, Hurtado would have a number of those. And he has played well in the CCL games, and he has played well linking up with Christian Teixeira. And you know what? The way the Whitecats are playing just now, I think it's kind of worth a shot, just maybe going with that Teixeira-Hurtado partnership trying to ride that out for the end of the season and just seeing what we can maybe get an MLS play out of it. One thing I will say in his defence is a lot of people don't appreciate the value that he offers the club for what he is on salary-wise. He is on a very low salary and you're getting a usable MLS player out of that. And I guess that's all you can hope for in some regards in a salary cap league, but you need more out of him. He needs to start getting the goals... I'm hoping that the CCL goal against KC is going to give him a spark and we're going to see it against New York on Saturday and he might be pot one or even two against the Red Bulls because one thing's for sure, the Whitecaps definitely need it just now. Now, Hurtado sometimes isn't the best interviewee. I do get the impression from speaking to Eric that he, he doesn't trust the media very well and he feels that they're going to hang him out to dry and that's fair enough. But talking of guys that are not great interviewees, I think that kind of sums up very much Canadian national team coach Benito Floro. Always hate interviews with Floro. Conference calls, pre-post-game scrums or, or press conferences. It, it's very hard, I find, to, to understand what, what he's saying. And I'm sure there's some folk listening to this podcast that's saying, pot kettle, we don't understand what you're saying half the time, Michael, either. But I'm not talking about his accent. It's just, when he's trying to make points, I find it very difficult to, to just get what kind of point Benito is trying to make. Now, of course, the Whitecats are playing this Saturday on MLS duty, and it falls right in the middle of an international calendar. Whitecats are missing six guys. Absolutely ridiculous. But it should be pointed out, the Whitecaps did have the decision whether to play that game or not this weekend 
and it was them that chose to make this game and play this game. So you can't moan about them being down six guys. They're the guys that's put themselves in that position to start with. But away from the club side and looking at the international side, it's a massive four days coming up for the Canadian national team. Honduras on Friday afternoon, El Salvador here in Vancouver on Tuesday night. Canada needs to get four points from those matches to qualify for the Hex for the first time in a generation. It would be a huge, huge boost to the game in this country, to the Canadian national team, to get in that final six, to have a realistic shot. And once you're at the top six, no matter who else is in there, it is a realistic shot that you have. But to have that shot at getting to the World Cup again, the first one since 86 in Mexico, massive for the programme in this country, massive for player development, interest in the game, everything. A lot of it hinges, of course, on what they can do in Honduras on Friday. Coming on the back of their last game there, which was that 8-1 defeat, it doesn't bode well. And you're hoping, maybe more with your heart than realistically, that Canada can get something from that game. They have to get at least a point, because basically if they lose that game, it's basically over. They're they're not going to be qualifying. Barring some miraculous goal-scoring swing in the in the last games on Tuesday night. So Friday is basically make or break for the Canadian national team. For me, it's also make or break for Benito Flora continuing as Canadian national team coach. Now, Flora gave a conference call today, Wednesday, two days before the Honduras game. So I'm going to bring you an edited version of that now. He waffles on in some of the answers and you're not really sure what he's even said by the end of it. But we're going to bring it to you. It's about 10 minutes just to give all you Canadian national team fans a little bit of a flavour, a little bit of a build up for Friday's game. So let's hear now the thoughts of Benito Floro on that game in Honduras, some of the players that are in his squad, some that aren't, and what this game may mean for his future as the boss of the Canadian national team. Here's Benito Floro. In a time when hats were high, I had no Canadian flag, just a sign of David Roger, too scared to purchase larger. But I walk through the Clyde Valley and the shadow of fiery Jack. My world fear no evil, wrapped in the Canadian flag. I, I guess the first question for Benito is. Uh... I guess right now everyone healthy in camp. Any concerns in terms of players' fitness ahead of uh, Friday? Now, all the players are in good condition. Uh, and we hope the same when uh, the game, when the day of the game. Benito, obviously in the past, trips to Central America have been filled with distractions. Uh, is there a plan in place when you get there to, to sort of keep the team sort of away from... I guess sort of the circus that can happen down there. The plan each for each uh, for each game because uh, uh, all the all the teams are different. Maybe sixty percent is uh, equal or similar, but uh, the other forty percent means uh, an special way to to do attack or to do counter attack or to defense. And it is necessary to accommodate our plan to to the opponent action. No, the best way to to get that the player are concentrated in the game is uh, explain to him perfectly, explain to them perfectly uh, what to do on the pitch, speaking tactically, 
not uh, thinking in another matter because uh, the fans uh, don't go to, to the pitch to play. So it is not uh, important. So what matters is to understand perfectly how to attack, how to defend. That 8-1 game that from uh, three years ago, uh, four years ago, that still hangs over uh, over the team. Uh, uh, how much uh, does this whole history uh, aspect play uh, into into this game coming up? And uh, are just a clean sheet, uh, clean sheet, and uh, you just go in uh, uh, brand new, uh, and uh, nothing has happened before. For all of us, it's crystal that the, the pass is not uh, for the present. Uh, there is a little. Uh, extract from um, a game, but uh, player and staff are thinking only in this in this game. So the situation different. I'm not speaking about the pitch, about the the hot, not about the mentality, because they are uh, thinking only in how to do to to develop a good pressing, to develop a good attack, counter attack, and set pieces. So it's the best way, and they are focused on that, not thinking in the past. Benito, here in Toronto, people still want to know why you haven't called up Will Johnson or Jonathan Osorio. Both have played a number of games are in inform. Can you tell us why you didn't select them both? Uh, the other day, I, I'm sorry, the same. I don't know if it is not publicity or my answer. It's always the same. Also, he's a good uh, player, a good person, but uh, he knows perfectly from my opinion, because I told him directly that he needs to take advantage that uh, he's playing 90 minutes each game to create more chance of goal, to score a goal, because he's going to play close to the box, and it is very important to, to do that. Uh, uh, it is not uh, only to to run a lot. It is his tactical level, because if not another player that uh, can offer us uh, the matter, I am saying no. Speaking about Will, Will is a honest player that uh, when he considers he's not in good condition, in perfect condition, physical condition, he make a decision or made a decision to. Scoring goals, 
Viva because we need to recover this uh, condition uh, between games, no? But uh, we consider that uh, he's in good condition, he will be in good condition to play the, the games, and if not, there is uh, enough player to, to substitute him. Uh, Darin, uh, clever, he's not a selfish. He considers that when coach explains to him something, he must pay attention because he's in his favor, no? Uh, but we, we don't have any question or any doubt about uh, Larin's performance because he plays always with a good sense. Sometimes uh, uh, commit uh, a mistake, but it's, it is normal. But majority of action are very good. So uh, we have a very good feeling with uh, Larin, the same as other players, because they are always attending... Uh, our requirement for playing well, no? no? No problem. Benito, you and I were speaking the other day, and you mentioned that you expect uh, a very physical game from this Honduras team. Um, in the past, we've also seen this Honduras team, especially when they play at home, perhaps play in a certain way where they are uh, attempting to win fouls or attempting to... Uh, get the referee on their side. So what what can you do to to prepare your players for that and and um, to uh, to try to get them in the right uh, mental uh, condition to uh, to be ready for those kind of tactics? It is true that uh, it's an special game because it's an official game. At the same time, it's very important for both teams the qualification, but it's, uh, summary is a, it's a game of soccer. Pitch, a ball, a referee, and a tactical plan. No? So the matter is to, to understand perfectly what to do. It is for that we are here to practice and to, to teach players, which is the way to, to do things, to have the necessary luck to win the game. But uh, there is not another matter. It's, 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 a, it's very simple. Uh, players must uh, understand perfectly how to attack, thinking that uh, Honduras is a, is a, a strong uh, team because he's going to develop a, a strong pressing. Uh, if it is possible, a lot of counter-attack. That was the, gay, the, the way they win the last, the last game years ago, and we need to take advantage of this lesson to, to make the appropriate plan, tactical plan, in which our player will be very, very comfortable because they, they must understand that uh, uh, we are going to play against a, a dangerous team, but at the same time, Canada is, is a good team, nothing to, nothing to that about that. I know that it's the summer for a lot of the players right now. They're playing in some hot conditions, but it's supposedly oppressively hot when you play Friday in Honduras. I see the forecast is around 34 Celsius at game time. That's not counting the humidity. Is there ways to, to prep guys for those conditions when you go down there? Uh, the only way to, to resolve this problem is to take advantage. 
advantage when the ball is stopped because a rule, no? It's the only way. Uh, tactically, we need to do another kind of play because uh, it is very important that the rhythm of play uh, must be close to the, the physical rhythm, no? And it is necessary to join that, but we are practicing that. I I can tell you that uh, players are understanding perfectly because in the last camp in Austria we practiced uh, this uh, this kind of this method to to reserve energy or to take advantage of this moment in which the the ball is stopped to, to recover the the energy, no? Benito. The players feel a lot of pressure, the responsibility of this game. Do you feel the pressure knowing that this is the most important game in your tenure? I always have my, my himself, uh, my opinion is always the same. The one thing is a positive press and another thing is a negative press. I never have a negative press in myself. Because I consider I am a leader, I am a, and the leader must be always uh, tranquil, calm, to explain or to transmit uh, the player the same, no, the same feeling. So I don't like a player uh, with uh, a lot of press, psychological press in their mind. I I always want a player happy with a good desire to play against any team. And uh, in any condition. So, you are speaking about my future. I never think in my future. I always live the present because I am a coach, and coaches are always thinking in the present, never in the future and in the past. And I wear it for my lady, the Canadian flag, baby! So Benito Flora there, hopefully you managed to get some things out of that. As I said, very, very difficult to kind of gauge really what he's saying, but the general gist is they know it's a tough game coming up in Honduras. They know it's going to be really bad conditions with the heat and the humidity. They want to try and take advantage of when the, the game's maybe stopped, when the game's slowed down a little bit. So I think you can read into that. It's going to be a kind of bunkering, not much attacking shown, lots of counter-attack play, hopefully, one guy up front, and it's going to be a challenge. Can they do it? Fingers crossed. We'd love nothing more than Tuesday's game here in Vancouver to mean something, to get a packed BC place to cheer Canada onto the hex. Ticket sales, we believe just now, are not fantastic. And if they don't get the result against Honduras, they're not really going to improve that drastically. But we need to support the national team. We need to get the guys roared home. Hopefully they can do the business on the pitch in Honduras. Then Tuesday night could be a right party at BC Place and you don't want to miss that. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. I like doing these kind of interview heavy ones just to kind of mix it up a little bit. But we'll be back soon with Steve and some of the other gang just to chat about the Whitecaps. But fantastically busy footballing long weekend coming up. Canada on Friday, Canada on Tuesday. Whitecaps in MLS action on Saturday. Whitecaps in a crucial USL match in Langley on Monday afternoon as well. Get out to that if you can. 
So until next time, as always, thanks for listening. If you have any feedback on the podcast or on anything that you've heard here, leave it in the comments section on AFTN, AFTN.ca, or shoot us an email, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also the White Cats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Goal.com. And the Western Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. So check out my stuff on that as well. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the Caps in Canada. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but-